It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Washington Commanders earned a B for their offseason grade so far from Sports Illustrated. I'm going to tell you why that grade checks out, but also how it could even get better. That and more coming up on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Commanders fans of the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders. Please subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast so you always get the latest episodes when they drop. I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media covering your Washington Commanders for Commander Country, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. You can find me there, here, or on Twitter at dharrison82 or anytime through text at 202-760-2644. Thank you for making Locked On Commanders podcast your first listen or view today and every day. Today, we're talking about an interesting option for who might replace Ron Rivera as the head coach of the Washington Commanders if the new ownership group decides to clean house. Three interesting trade prospects, trade ideas for the NFL draft presented to us by Bleacher Report. But first, we're talking about the Washington Commanders getting a B why that grade fits, and where it can get even better. Starting off with Sports Illustrated's Matt Verderami recently took on the task of grading all 32 NFL teams following this first portion of the NFL League year. Wave 1 of free agency, franchise tags, all of that stuff happening. And the Washington Commanders got a B from SI's writer. Matt wrote, quote, It was an offseason of canceling out losses for the Commanders. While Schweitzer and Heineke left, they were replaced by similar players in Brissett and Gates. The addition of Wiley is a smart one, giving Washington a solid right tackle. Regardless, the commanders have to find more contributors on both sides of the ball to be a playoff contender. End quote. That's what Matt wrote. So here's where we're going to take a look at this. Matt basically saying that the Washington Bears spent this offseason canceling out their losses. So I thought what we would do here is we would drop a little bit of a list of the Washington Commanders' losses and the Washington Commanders additions so far throughout this offseason. And when we do that, basically what I'm calling this is the Washington Commanders offseason depth rotations, right? And and the reason I went with that term is because you're going to see some familiar names here in the in category, which means they're not necessarily new additions to the roster, right? But they're going to be playing uh, presumably in different positions than they were prior to uh, this offseason. Therefore, they're rotating into spots on the depth chart, and there are players who are then rotating out of spots on the depth chart. And these are all our completed transactions here for the Washington Commanders this offseason. Starting with the very top of the list, we're starting at quarterbacks, right? Quarterback Carson Wentz, obviously out of the mix here with the Washington Commanders. In his place is quarterback Sam Howell. Like I said, not all of these these moves are going to be new players added to the team, but I do feel like when you look at the Washington Commanders offseason and how they've done so far, you have to look at really the impact on the depth chart. Sam Howell in at quarterback number one. Carson Wentz out. That, to me, is an improvement. Quarterback Taylor Heineke, the backup quarterback, out of the rotation here for the Washington Commanders depth chart. In his place, veteran Jacoby Brissett. Now, for me, I'm actually going to give that a little bit of a push. That's I'm going to call that even. Taylor Heineke's got some talent, but he's, his biggest impact, obviously, 
has been inspiration, leadership in the locker room, all of those things. Jacoby Brissett, the more veteran quarterback of the two, brings the experience uh, and I think the more well-rounded quarterback skill set toolbox, uh, so to speak. So I think you give it a push on that one. Offensive tackle, this is where things get a little bit interesting. Out at offensive tackle, Sam Cosme. And again, this is not confirmed by the team. This is just me reading the tea leaves. I think Sam Cosme kicking inside to guard uh, starting next season. So Kat, Sam Cosme out at tackle in is Andrew Wiley. And I do think that's an upgrade from an experience standpoint. Obviously, Wiley knows Eric Bianami, understands what his offense is going to ask for from an offensive tackle. And I do think that that is an upgrade there for that reason. Out at offensive tackle, nobody in Trent Scott. And we talked to, to uh, Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast, who told us that Trent Scott, his ceiling here, probably swing tackle. That's fine. You add another swing tackle to Cornelius Lucas. So you're not really losing any backup tackles here, but you do add Trent Scott. Obviously, that's going to be a gain and improvement. Out at center, Nick Martin. In at center, Nick Gates. And I do view that as an obvious uh, upgrade at that position. Out at guard, Trey Turner. In, Sam Cosme. Sam Cosme leaves the tackle spot, but he comes in at guard while Trey Turner, uh, yet to be signed, yet to be re-signed, is out at this moment on the depth chart. So Sam Cosme rotating in for Trey Turner. I view that as an upgrade as well. Defensive end, nobody leaving right now. Abdullah Anderson coming in free agent from the Atlanta Falcons. That's a plus. Defensive back Bobby McCain on his way out. Danny Johnson re-signing with the team. He's the guy rotating into that Bobby McCain role that I'm seeing late in the season. Bobby McCain really more of a nickel corner. I think Danny Johnson fills that slot. And I think, to me, that's a little bit of a push. I think Bobby McCain, obviously, from a leadership standpoint, kind of has it. But I think on the field last year, really, whether it was Danny, whether it was Bobby, I think you got a lot of the same type of production. Danny Johnson maybe building on some confidence. Another year in the system, I think maybe he can take a step forward even and maybe even eclipse Bobby McCain. But I think period uh, right now, it's basically a push is, is what I'm calling it. Middle linebacker Cole Holcomb uh, out. He joins the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cody Barton from the Seattle Seahawks comes in. I view that as the only downgrade on this list right now. So when you look at this list up front, there are nine total depth chart rotations that have kind of solidified. Again, guys coming out from the depth chart last year. Guys coming into the depth chart this year, not all of them are signed signed players. Some of them are players that were already on the roster. They're elevating, like, again, Sam Howell into the number one quarterback spot, at least to start OTAs uh, and minicamps, right, and then training camp. So if you look at the depth chart rotations, right now we have nine confirmed depth chart rotations for the Washington Commanders. In my eyes, six of them are upgrades. Two of them are pushes, right? Danny Johnson and replacing Bobby McCain, to me, is a push right now. Jacoby Brissett replacing Taylor Heineke is also a push. So if you take those two and you add those two halves into one, then you've got seven of nine. That is a 78% depth chart rotation improvement, according to my fun little math here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. That's right on the cusp of a B, right? So I think Matt got it pretty much right there. Now, if you if Jacoby proves to be a better number two quarterback than Taylor Heineke, then that's a win. And if, if Danny Johnson can come in and be a better slot corner, nickel corner, than Bobby McCain was, and you could even argue if he's the same, but for a better price and better cap situation, then maybe that's a win all by itself. Then you could reach as high as 89%. And I mean, hey, look, if Cody Barton comes in and sets the world on fire as an off-ball linebacker for the Washington Commanders, then you're 100% for 100%. Now, the project's obviously incomplete. Offseason's still going on. The draft still has to go on. We've got some, some depth chart rotations out that have yet to be replaced, right? Wes Schweitzer is out. Uh, interior depth offensive lineman. Maybe Chris Paul steps into that position, though. I'm not 100% certain, so I'm not 
quite sure ready to say that is the replacement. Therefore, there's no uh, there's no opinion on that. Wes Martin also out. So you got two interior offensive linemen that have to be replaced again, perhaps in-house with Chris Paul for one of them. But Chris Paul can't be both of them. J.D. McKissick and Jarrett Patterson gone from the running back room. Jonathan Williams is back. I don't know that Jonathan Williams really steps into that J.D. McKissick role. Maybe Jarrett Patterson and Jonathan Williams are kind of one in the same in that situation. Cam Sims is gone, so you need another depth receiver. Eli Wolf, practice squad tight end, not really sure how much that really impacts the grade. And then off-ball linebacker John Bostic, a veteran, very smart player, so you need another depth linebacker behind Cody Barton, Jamin Davis, uh, David Mayo. Perhaps Kalik Hudson fully steps up into that role. Perhaps the commanders decide to go in the draft, so that's kind of why I left that one as an incomplete. Not really sure who's going to be that kind of fourth linebacker for the Washington Commanders. So again, SI gives the Commanders a B so far. I think that math pretty much works out. By the way, the Cowboys and the Eagles both got Cs. The Giants got a B minus. So if you're talking about winning the offseason, right now the Commanders look like they're coming out ahead in the NFC East. Of course, we don't know how much that's going to impact the future, but we do know the NFL draft is coming up. Huge impact on the future. Draft trades happen every single year. The Commanders executed a draft trade last year. Turned out to work out beautifully for the Washington Commanders. Could they execute another one here? This year, Bleacher Report has three ideas. We're going to bring those to you next here on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're going to do so today on Locked On Commanders thanks to Built Bar. You got to try Built Bars if you haven't already. The best protein bar on the market. So amazingly delicious. You won't think they're good for you, but they are. All Built Bars, all Built Puffs are high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% chocolate. It's the candy bar that is so good for you. Right now, when you head to Built.com, you'll find the amazing Snickerdoodle Chunk Puff Bar while it lasts. And if you're gluten-sensitive, the Brownie Batter Puff is now gluten-free. If you can't pick one flavor, get a mix box of 12 bars or 12 buff puffs and try as many as you can. And if you just can't wait long enough for the mail to arrive, head down to your local Walmart or your Sam's Club and grab yourself a box at either of those locations. However you want to get it, you can have it. And the best part is, it's actually good for you. And that's why you got to try Built Bar. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Thanks again for being a Locked On Commanders first listener and first view of the day. More NFL draft speculation. It is April. The NFL draft is happening this month, so we're going to get a ton of speculation, rumor, and we might even get a few moves along the way. This time, the speculation is coming to us courtesy of Jake Rill over at Bleacher Report, who took it upon himself to come up with three potential draft trade scenarios involving the Washington Commanders for the Washington Commanders to make the quote-unquote splash that so many teams love uh, to to make 
So we're going to take a look at all three of this and these scenarios, and I'm going to tell you at the end which one is my favorite. If you have a favorite, drop your favorite in the comments here on YouTube. If you're watching, if you're listening, hit me up on email, hit me up on Twitter, let me know which scenario you would go with if you were presented these, these three options and you were in charge of the Washington Commanders. So let's start with scenario number one. This scenario I'm titling, Get the Franchise Quarterback. Scenario number one has the Washington Commanders trading with the Atlanta Falcons. In the trade, the Washington Commanders get the eighth overall pick from the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons, meanwhile, get the number 16th pick in the first round. They get Washington's number 47th pick, which is in the second round, and then the 193rd pick, which comes in the sixth round. So why is this draft option good for the Washington Commanders? Well, if you're drafting based on what you know, you know that Sam Howell has potential. You know that Jacoby Brissett has never been a long-term starter anywhere in the National Football League. And you know that Jake Fromm, solid dude, probably not going to be a franchise quarterback at this point uh, in time. So if that's what you know, then you don't really know that you have a franchise quarterback. So you could go into it and say, we need to try to get our franchise quarterback here. Now, if Howell works out, quarterbacks can always be flipped for future draft capital as long as you control the narrative. Now, this draft pick, if it's Anthony Richardson or anybody else, goes out there and just looks really bad in two or three preseasons, and then you try to trade him, you're probably getting a fourth-round pick for him, right? But if he goes out there and looks good, if you put him in a situation to succeed, make him look good with play calling, scheme design, all that stuff, maybe you can flip that former first-round pick. I don't know if you get a first-round pick for him, but maybe you get a second, maybe you get a third, maybe you package a late-round pick and you move him up uh, into the second. Either way, possible to get a return on your investment, even if you don't have, and necessarily end up starting that quarterback. So the final thing, why this kind of works, you get multiple chances to get a franchise quarterback, right? And every NFL team, they get the opportunity to get multiple chances at landing a franchise quarterback is likely going to take it. Now, why don't I like this trade? Honestly, it's the old adage. If you've got two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Well, if you have three quarterbacks, then you got what? Negative like negative one quarterbacks. I mean, you already have Sam Howell. You already have Jacoby Brissett. You're already kind of committed and tied into this competition. If you're the Washington Commanders, better to go out, let these people compete, and let them and, and go from there. And if you don't have a franchise quarterback at the end of this season, if you're Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew, unfortunately, it probably means that you're also out of a job. But for the Washington Commanders from a franchise standpoint, if I'm an owner having to, quote, unquote, approve or not approve a uh, move up of this caliber, I'm going to hold those picks because you trade all these picks again, your first, your second rounder, you get your quarterback, but you're not back on the clocks on number 97 without another trade. And if you're trading up, then you got to send even more pick picks and, and draft capital from the future uh, to trade back up. You're not getting any offensive line help in the first, or second round. You're not getting a cornerback in the first, or second round. And now that you have a first round quarterback, number eight overall pick, the second Sam Howell starts to struggle a little bit, the second Jacoby Brissett starts to, to struggle a little bit, what's going to happen? We're all going to start asking, when is that number eight overall pick going to step onto the field? Now you're going to have not one, but two quarterbacks out there looking over their shoulder. And trust me, I've had many conversations with NFL quarterbacks, college quarterbacks even, about this very topic. Playing with someone looking over your shoulder and thinking every single play, if this is the bad snap, I might get benched. That is not a healthy way for a quarterback to go out there uh, and operate. Pressure is good, but that kind of pressure, that's that's going to make just about every quarterback uh, crumble. So that's scenario number one. Scenario number two, I call the hunt and gather scenario. And in this trade scenario, we see the Washington Commanders trade back. And you already know I'm team trade back, right? Commanders get number 31. 
They get number 63 in the second round. They get number 166 in the fifth round. And the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs get number 16 and number 233 in the seventh round. So why is this scenario a good scenario? You get more draft picks, more opportunities to add talented players. You still have solid offensive line talent available at number 31 potentially. Guys like Florida guard Osiris Torrance, Ohio State tackle Dewan Jones if you want to go that direction. Or you still have solid cornerback talent available at number 31. Mississippi State cornerback Emmanuel Forbes, for example, is, is possibly a guy who will be available there at number 31. Looking ahead to number 63, honestly, that 63rd pick that you got from the Kansas City Chiefs in this trade, that is a prime spot potentially to land yourself a third running back to add to Brian Robinson, add to Antonio Gibson. UCLA's Zach Charbonnet could be there. Texas A&M's Devon A-Chain could be there. And UAB's Dwayne McBride could also be options there. Now, why doesn't this trade potentially work? Well, because you're moving back a lot. Going back from 16 to 31, you might have two or three players that you're saying, look, at 31, if one of these two or three guys is still available, then we're okay with taking that guy. But that's a lot of picks. That is, is about half the first round that you got to wait now to make a pick. And that guy could get scooped by someone else. Um, that's always a threat to uh, to potentially happen. So, And, of course, you can't control the board uh, the rest of the way down there. I say that number 63 could be a prime spot for running backs. They could all be gone by 60, uh, and you're left at 63 with, I don't know, a lot of players that you probably didn't have targeted. So there's always that risk, right? But I think the options and the availability to potentially get better players uh, is still there, even if, say, the running back group gets depleted before you come back around. Uh, to number 63. And if you're really that worried about it, draft a running back at 47 uh, and, and just deal with the backlash that comes in. So this third scenario, and this is where things get really interesting here. This is the trade Montez sweat scenario. And uh, I think for the next 23 days or so, we're going to get a lot of speculation. And until the Washington commanders make a decision on Chase Young's fifth year option, which they don't even have to make till after the NFL draft uh, by the, according to the deadline, we're going to see more and more of this. I think Montez Sweat in a contract year does not have an extension yet. Everybody's looking to draw on pay money saying, how are you going to pay Montez Sweat? But they want to keep Chase Young. Those same people say the commander should pick up Chase Young's fifth year option, which is a guaranteed $17 million plus in lieu of re-signing uh, Montez Sweat, whose salary cap number you could potentially flex out, adjust in, in bonuses and all these all these fancy cap things that people do. So account for $10, $11 million next year. So anyway, that's a, that's a whole different discussion. But in this trade proposal, again, by Jake Rill over at Bleacher Report, the commanders get pick number 53. They get pick number 148, a second rounder, a fifth rounder, and the Chicago Bears get Montez Sweat in a contract year. Obviously, they're going to basically give him a contract extension. They're going to sign him out for three, four, however many years it is, and they get another contributor to the defense that is very, very well overhauled uh, this offseason for the Chicago Bears. So why does this pick or why does this trade potentially make sense? Obviously, you get more picks. Why is it a bad idea? You already know that if you ask me, if, you're, if you've been listening to the show, you already know if you're taking Chase Young or you're taking Montez Sweat. To me, you're taking Montez Sweat. You're taking the guy that's been on the field longer, contributed more, because doing this, you now have two big question marks at edge. You've got Chase Young that's a big question mark, and you've got a rookie that you might know what you think he's going to become, but that doesn't mean he's going to become what you think he's going to become. So now instead of having one question mark in Chase Young and you're having a constant and a steady guy in Montez Sweat, now you've got two question marks uh, because you made this trade. 
basically have to pick up Chase Young's fifth-year option at this point. If you trade away Montez Sweat, you've got to commit to Chase Young for at least a fifth year. Now you're locked in at $17 million plus against the salary cap. And now you got to consider edge in the first round. And we're talking about potentially adding another first round pick to this defensive line that is already has that already has the most NFL salary cap uh, amount dedicated to it among uh, compared to every other NFL team uh, out there. To me, that's ridiculous. So which option would I go to? I'm sure you know already. I'm going with scenario two. I'm going with the trade back. Hunt for a good tra- trade partner. Partner, gather those draft picks. I like this one. You trade 31 or you trade 16 rather and a seventh rounder, you get a first, you get a second and you get a fifth rounder and you go to work uh, filling out the rest of your roster. So that's the route I'm going again. Good scenarios presented by Jay Grill of Bleacher Report. These mock trades, mock scenarios are meant to dis- to, to spark discussion. And as soon as I saw these three, I was like, we got to talk about this on the show. So it definitely uh, was effective. Let me know which one you think is the best option. Let me know which one you would go with. Uh, out of those three options coming up next Mike Florio presented an interesting name for an idea of who might replace Ron Rivera if the new ownership group decides to clean house after the 2023 NFL season who that person is what I think about it coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast Indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need Indeed interesting thing happens to a very successful NFL franchise over the last 20 plus years and Mike Florio pro football talk took that and turned it into a whole other conversation that we're about to get involved with here on the Locked On Commanders podcast Mike Florio pro football talk talking about New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft essentially putting Bill Belichick on the hot seat talking about that if the Patriots don't make it back to the playoffs this coming season it would be three out of the last four seasons they missed the playoffs that could put Bill Belichick on the hot seat, and that is an interesting prospect to think about, Bill Belichick being on the hot seat in New England less than five years after Tom Brady decided to walk away from New England, went down to Tampa, played three years, won a Super Bowl, uh, ultimately decided to retire this offseason. And what Florio did was kind of dove into it and said, okay, if Bill Belichick decided he still wanted to coach, a lot of coaches, they do this, they take a year off, Maybe they do some TV, and then they eventually come back. Bill Belichick's been coaching for a long, long time. So if he's not ready to hang it up and just go fishing or whatever he likes to do in his off time for the rest of his life and wants to coach again, what are the scenarios, what are the teams that would fit the scenario that Bill Belichick would be looking for? Well, Florida talks about how Belichick was going to want control, and I think that's that's a very easy thing to kind of discern. Belichick has a lot of control in New England, controls the roster, draft picks, free agents, re-signs, all that stuff. So in essence, no sitting GM who has roster control is going to hire him because if you do, you're essentially going to give up your own roster control. So you can take all those teams out that have a sitting GM who's not on the hot seat uh, and isn't potentially looking for a new head coach, which basically leaves you with a list of teams, according to Florio, that includes the Dallas Cowboys, the Cleveland Browns, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Buffalo Bills, and the Washington Commanders. Now, these are all very interesting Ideas talking about the Washington Commanders specifically, obviously with the new ownership group coming in, the questions being asked and asked and asked time and time again. 
about whether or not they're going to want to clean house, start fresh, get rid of everybody associated with the Dan Snyder era, even the guys, Martin Mayhew, Jason Wright, Ron Rivera, who were brought in to essentially help manage the mess and, and control the damage done by all the Dan Snyder accusations and, and things going on and his actions with avoiding everything and just craziness. And, and that honestly, that approach, if they go that way, makes a lot of sense from a business standpoint. You don't want that image following you as long as you can. So again, you come in, it's a clean sweep. Everybody who is forward facing for the organization during that tumultuous time, thank you for your service. Uh, good luck with your future. We're going to move on. So you can see the Washington Mayors potentially doing that because if you're getting rid of Ron Rivera, you're also getting rid of Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, all those guys who are essentially starting from scratch. You bring in Bill Belichick, he's one higher in two. He's your head coach and he's your GM. And, you know, he's going to bring a coaching staff everywhere he goes or every season. I mean, you got coaches that leave New England and then come back to New England to work for him again. I mean, you know he's bringing a coaching staff that, quite honestly, has had a lot of success over the last two decades plus. So that makes a lot of sense. For the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, Jerry Jones bringing in Bill Belichick after firing Mike McCarthy, I could see that happening very easily. The Cleveland Browns, I'm not so sure Belichick honestly would want to kind of take on the story that is Deshaun Watson and the amount of control that Deshaun Watson has with that fully guaranteed contract. Not sure that's really in Bill Belichick's wheelhouse. The Chargers are an interesting situation scenario because of the quarterback, Justin Herbert. I think it's kind of a Belichick-type quarterback situation there. The Bucs are interesting. I can get a lot into the Buccaneers. I might talk about this on Lockdown Bucks, actually. So if you want to hear more about the Buccaneers side of things, check out Lockdown Bucks on uh, our Thursday episode, and, and maybe this will be one of those topics there. The Buffalo Bills, I don't I, – I, the Buffalo Bills had some struggles, right? They've gotten to the playoffs. They've gotten to the championship game in the AFC – and then they just kind of fail to capitalize. And I get all that. But I don't know that I would think that Sean McDermott is necessarily on the hot seat. But if he is on the hot seat and it doesn't make work and the Bills fire him, I mean, Bill Belichick, after all the years, he tormented the Buffalo Bills in New England to go from New England to Buffalo uh, as a head coach and having a quarterback like Josh Allen. That would be very interesting. So some interesting scenarios there from Florida. And again, this is speculation, kind of looking ahead. But it's very interesting, and then it has the Washington Commanders on there for a very good reason, I think. Now, who are the top three? Obviously, I think the Washington Commanders kind of work out. But but honestly, my top three, I'm going to start with the Dallas Cowboys. I think this is a Jerry Jones-type move, and Bill Belichick's age isn't really going to concern Jerry Jones because if this scenario unfolds, you're basically looking to get the best out of Dak Prescott you can before that situation is probably over and done with. And Jerry Jones is trying to get a Super Bowl ring, guys. He's not worried about the next 20 years of the Dallas Cowboys. He's trying to get a ring now. So I think the Dallas Cowboys probably number one on that list. I think the Chargers are next. Again, the Justin Herbert attraction, the solid defense, young quarterback, strong defense. It's basically what happened in New England when Tom Brady came in. I think that's an attractive option uh, for Bill Belichick. Uh, and then the, the third option that I'm going to put in my top three uh, is retirement for a year. Whether it's TV, whether it's fishing, it's retiring from coaching for a year and then coming back in 2025 and seeing what the land land looks like. Look, if the commanders clean house, I think they're more than likely to follow market trend. Again, you're talking about a new owner, a business person, you know, coming in. I think they're more likely to follow the market trend, which is going after the next young, hot NFL head coach. Typically, teams also like to flip from a defensive guy to an offensive guy, offensive defense. A lot of times you don't see NFL teams go offensive-minded head coach to offensive-minded head coach. They typically like to kind of flip the script on that. So the numbers, and then the numbers in the NFL say the offensive head coaches actually have more success as far as postings, appearances, wins, Super Bowls, all that stuff uh, compared to defensive head coaches. So 
who are the three right now in April of, of 2023 that I would say are probably most likely uh, to be the prime candidates to replace Ron Rivera if this scenario unfolds. I got to go Mike Kafka, the Giants offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, and then Kellen Moore, the Chargers offensive coordinator, especially if Belichick goes to, to, to Los Angeles, takes over the Chargers. Maybe he brings in his own guys. Kellen Moore uh, comes out, one of the bright young minds in the NFL, potentially comes back to the NFC East as a very young potential head coach candidate uh, for the Washington Commanders. And, of course, Eric Bieniemy's name is going to be in there. But if he's getting head coach buzz elsewhere and you're cleaning the house, if you're Washington, maybe maybe you take a gamble. You let him walk. You get two third-round picks for your new coach and your new team to take a new direction with uh, as well. So interesting conversation from Mike Florio. Fear we kind of expand on it here a little bit on the, on the program. Hopefully you enjoy that. Let me know what you think about uh, Bill Belichick potentially becoming that new coach. you think that's in the card? Do you think that's a little outlandish? Or these other guys, Kafka, Callahan, Moore, EB, you know what I mean? Let me know what you think of any of the guys potentially taking over if Ron Rivera is uh, fired at the end of the season. I want to thank you in the meantime for checking out Locked On Commanders, for making this show your first view or your first listen of the day. For your next one, please check out Locked On NFL Scouting with the draft dudes for free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. I will be back Wednesday afternoon live for a mailbag episode. So if you haven't already, get your questions and your mock drafts in. And there's also a little time left still to answer my draft question that I proposed on last week's uh, end-of-week episode. If there's one player you would want to see the Washington Commanders trade up for on day one of the NFL Draft, who would that be and why? We're going to go over some of those answers at the end of the week, and I'll give you another question. I want the fan take on uh, these questions heading into the weekend. So send in your questions, mock drafts, your answers to my question of the week via email at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com or Twitter at dharrison82 or in the YouTube comments, or you can text them to me at 202-760-2644. Signing off for today, I'm David Harrison, staff writer for Commander Country, sports Illust- part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, credential member of the media covering your Washington Commanders, more importantly, hanging out with you every single day. Until we speak again, if you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, and I'll see you next time right back here for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.